Shelley, on that first point, how am I? Great. Spirits are really high. Colombia has been unreal. It's been fantastic. And the where are you bit? Well, Colombia, I gave the game away there. <laughs> but particularly or specifically, we're in Medellin, Colombia. And it's an amazing city. It's... Um, it's high, we're about 1500 meters at the moment, and it's in a bowl. And the city sort of sprawls up the side of this bowl, like, um, you know, like when you're eating cereal, and then the milk, you sort of like spill the milk up the side of the bowl, and then it sort of drips down. It, that's exactly what medicine is like. It's like a, um, a, a Cocoa Pops with cream. And so on one side of this, we're, we're sitting over here on a rooftop. Uh, in the middle of this bowl and then up one side you've got all these high buildings where the rich people live in Poblado and then on the, around the other sides of the bowl is where you've got the comunes which are like the barrios where sort of the people of lower income live and they sort of sprawl up the uh, uh, up the uh, sort of the insides of these big hills that surround us here in Medellin it's it's fantastic and last night was a big night in the city the first of December and the Alborada which brings a lot of uh, sort of explosions. It's quite interesting being up on this rooftop at midnight last night, but we'll more on that a bit later. Welcome to the How Are You, Where Are You podcast. This is an audio travelogue of our adventures by bike as we make our way home via Europe, Central and South America. We had to pull ourselves away from our lives and friends and good old London town and return to the Hutt Valley of New Zealand. It was hard to do, you know, leaving London and it's... Well, London was great. Really, I was going to say something mean about London, but it was pretty cool, wasn't it? We yeah. spent seven years it was, there. It was hard to leave. But, you know, we always knew that we were actually going to be going home to live in New Zealand once again, one day. In breaking news, we have survived two of the toughest days on the bike so far and have made it to Medellin. We are actually cycling now in the Andes, Baden. The Andes, the Andes. Yes, we are indeed. Last week we cycled, well, it was only around 300 kilometres, which for us lately is a bit low, but we climbed 6,500 metres, which for us lately is a lot. That is, <laughs> is a, anyone, anytime, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. And on two consecutive days of that, we, we were going up climbs that were climbing all the way for 35 kilometres. They were sort of long and uh, tough, but... Well, really rewarding yeah, right? yeah luckily they were fairly gradual gradients so uh, you know it's kind of manageable but geez by the time you get to the top you're just so weary and actually on the last climb into the city that we're in now i noticed that i was getting very dizzy and my vision was going a bit weird i was like oh my god i've done too much <laughs> <laughs> we are really really loving being in colombia and normally when we cross into a new country you know we notice all the differences and everything but we still just stick to the same traveling routine because you know you get into your habits this however has been super different we've noticed some real change and it's not just the people and the landscape and the culture and the food here in colombia it's also the style of travel and there are two big reasons for that these guys. Buena ondas, buena ondas. Hey, keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Shaggy and Lennon. Let us just expand a bit on what we mean by this different style of travel that we've noticed in Colombia. It really feels like the ball game's changed a bit and the way that we're doing the cycle touring is really exciting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah um, sure. And I don't know, I mean, these guys have helped us spark this or have sparked it for us, really. Yeah. But, um, yeah, what is it? We've been talking to locals a lot more 
and you know it's not as if we haven't been talking to locals we've been doing it the whole trip but we're doing it a bit more with patience and the yeah. what you get out of people is a lot more when you just show a little bit of patience spend some time with people and it's that's been very rewarding. I think that um, because we've been traveling with Lennon, who is from this area, um, you know, he, he's very familiar with it. And, you know, we spent some time in his village, so he knows people. And I know particularly for you, 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 the three of you, you, Shaggy and Lennon, went for a walk around the village. And one thing that you observed when you came back was you have to be willing to take the time. You can't be in a rush. You can't just be going up to local people and just sort of demanding things like, oh, is there somewhere we can sleep? Okay, here, great. Okay, thanks, bye. It's yeah. like, no, it's about actually taking that time. And I think that's something that's difficult for us because we're always like, oh, it's getting dark. Oh, we're hungry. Oh, what are we doing? And I think we're a little bit uptight. Whereas traveling with Shaggy and Lennon, they're so relaxed. Yeah. And they, they're not rushed. Yeah, we spent a really lovely afternoon in Udamita, which is Lennon's hometown or home village. Now we wandered into a carpenter's workshop, talked to him about you know, these doors that he was making and these cabinets. And um, we went to a welder's workshop. We toured around a social housing project. Uh, we spoke to some nurses in, who were working in a um, sort of a children's hospital type thing. You know, went to the library and you know, met some children. To, yeah, read books for children in the library. Uh, we went to a gala dinner for that was celebrating the work of the teachers in the in the village. Um, we sang the national anthem of the province here in Antioquia. It's we basically like, stopped in every shop in the village and talked to whoever the shop owner was, pharmacy, hotel, basically everything. Yeah. We couldn't get five metres with Lennon without stopping. I, I'm shaking everyone's hand. It's like I'm Prince Charles or something walking <laughs> around. But although I'm doing it, um, the Colombian handshake, you've you noticed this it's yeah. like the, it's like a uh, a slap and a um, terrorist fist jab yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, it's uh, and another example was um, we stopped in a um, culture well it's like a community facility around culture they call them Casa de la Cultura and it's where kids and, and people of all ages really go to learn music and dance and things like that and we wanted to sleep there and we went. I went up with Lennon to meet the manager and you know he sat there for a long time talking to this guy just about all sorts of things about the area about what's been going on about this new bridge about you know how the house has been going about cycling in the city and then he said you know would it be okay if we stayed and I thought wow that's just not how we would normally do it you know and I think the language is a barrier but equally we're always in a bit of a rush and we yeah. would have just gone straight in and gone can we just stay and then whereas they he say takes no the time. and then would walk away yeah whereas no here we we're learning to sort of build up a relationship more and and you no know, as a result we haven't paid for any accommodation since we've been in Colombia yeah um and yeah, we've stayed at a fire station, a cultural house, um, Lennon's aunt, and here in Lennon's house in Medellin. It's, but it's not only that you get to, to sleep somewhere unusual and obviously free of charge, but taking that time to try and talk to people and, and trying to get over that shyness around um, speaking Spanish, you get so much more out of the trip as well. You know, just having a different attitude to people who are someone tr trying to approach you to sell something. Okay, you're not going to buy that, but it doesn't mean you can't talk to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's just a bit of a difference there. And, you know, we're also learning from these guys about uh, the value of cheekiness. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's this really cool concept here in Colombia called uh, Nyapa. And what it is, is um, they have amazing fruit juices here. The juices and the fruits are just out of this world. And so we'll often stop and we'll have a fruit juice. And then you ask for a Nyapa, which is like a free refill. And a lot of people do this sort of just naturally but some people we have to sort of squeeze out the nyapa you know like yeah. come on give us a nyapa and um and yeah a little bit of cheekiness a little bit of charm shaggy and lennon are just massively charming Remember guys we stopped at that um place with that guy fernando he gave us that oh what town was that fernando yeah the kind of slightly camp guy who owned that restaurant oh yes 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 yeah um, and he ended up offering us nyapa because he was so enjoying talking yeah to us. yeah that was it like we already bargained down no they used their charm to sort of bargain us a cheaper lunch yeah. than, we're, than people would normally pay you know we say things like oh look what if we um if you don't have the meat you know can we get the lunch for a bit cheaper than that you know mm. and then no, you still get a great serving of food yeah and then yeah and then it's quite cheeky to ask on top of the discount that you've already managed to secure for a bit of a nyapa as well i i find it um i think it really goes against um my upbringing in a kind of Britishy, New Zealandy kind of way to be so cheeky, you know, to get a discount and then ask for more. I just, oh, I'm like, oh no, you can't do that. You've had, well, we've already got a discount. You can't ask for a free coffee. Well, yeah, you can. And why Why not? You know, it's yeah. not hurting anyone to ask, is yeah. it? Yeah. So I think we're just, just trying to get over that really. And But, you know, people could be listening to this going, well, hold on, these guys are not poor. Yeah. You know, and why are they coming to a less developed country and trying to get discounts and rip people off? We're not trying to rip people off. Yeah, I know. Well, this is the thing. It's like we we kind of don't see it that way. It's no, uh, but I, I totally take your point, and and I sort of said the same thing to Lennon. I was like, well, you know, you've got money. Did, you know, is it is it all right to be doing this? And he was like, well, why not? You can ask. They can always say no. Yeah, and yeah, this is the thing, and I don't think it's it's not as if we're begging for charity. The people are mostly wanting to offer us their hospitality, and and you know are liking having us there yeah and you know i don't think we're massively you know ripping people off and no. you know creating the sort of a bad vibe around it no, it's just no. I yeah i know it's fact. completely the opposite and it just you know i think us you and me we would know if it didn't feel right yeah and it does feel right you know people are offering us this really warm hospitality and um, these really friendly offers of accommodation and food and you know what would be rude not taking it yeah and so it's just added to the experience and it's been fantastic yeah we've been trying a lot of new things because of these guys you know we the last time we cycled with someone was back in spain when we cycled with johan and you know that was a long time ago and we haven't really had any company since then so traveling with these guys uh, we're really noticing you know the extra support we've as we mentioned we've had some really hard days and having those guys there cracking jokes and and all of us having a laugh it just helps so much to get up the hills um, and you know as I say trying trying new things but also um, you know for for the two of us it it makes a nice change to have Mm. that group dynamic because otherwise it's just the two of us all the time you know yeah really it helps us isn't it I mean you know it's not as if we're having like it's not as if we're at each other's throats you and I uh, but no there are sort of times of you know when we get a strain when things are a little strained and we sort of like what how do you describe it like 
take things out on each other. Yeah, yeah. And it's not just because these guys are around that we might not do that, but it just them being around creates us more of a group dynamic and extra teamwork. Pressure and yeah, and you know, and I think when these guys leave us or whatever, and we carry on, I think um, you know the spirit of this teamwork will apply to us cycling alone as well. One of our cycling amigos, Sebastian, better known as Shaggy, or now we're calling him Shagito. Uh, <laughs> he, he works on the slopes of the French Alps. He's a mountain man with a grizzly red beard. He puts mine to absolute shame. Uh, and he's got this massive toothy grin. <laughs> he, he started his bike trip in way up in Alaska. Uh, and his plan is to go all the way down to Patagonia and we met him as he entered uh, Colombia in, in uh, Capugana. And we got on the same boat together and we've been riding ever since. We've really loved riding with him. So Shaggy, why are you doing this trip? I don't know. <laughs> it's like you just take a bike here to road and, uh, and that's it, you know. Just meet some people. So literally uh, you just got a bike, flew to Alaska and started cycling. That's it, you, you don't yeah. even know why. You know why? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I want to see, see my brother in Brazil. And, uh, okay, but to get to see your brother in Brazil, you could have just bought a ticket from Paris Charles de Gaulle to Sao Paulo. Um, uh, it's not so fun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, buy a, you take a bike, you, you get more fun, you know. It's like you fly from Panama to Colombia, it's not so fun. Why I don't take the flight from Panama to Colombia? Just but take a bike, put put the bike on the the small boat, and uh, something fun, you know, something yeah. <laughs> rock and roll. <laughs> so, what's the most rock and roll moment you've had on this tour? I don't know. It's like uh, I mean, if, the, if like a lot of people would say, you know, cycling through northern Mexico would be pretty dangerous, but it's not, right? All right. I never program on the road. Was all right. So you've had no problems with your bike apart from your hydraulic fluid draining out of your brakes. <laughs> this moment I got some problem with my hydraulic brakes. <laughs> but since then it's just like it's it's no, no. it's pretty easy. So anyone who wants to cycle from Alaska to Patagonia, yeah. Uh, you just say just it's really easy just go and do it. But for me, it's not a challenge. I can, I can do that. It's not a challenge. It's kind of like cycling. It's not a challenge. It's a different way. It's just, for, a, it's just a different way of doing it. For doing it, yeah. And do you need to be super fit and strong? No. And so, what do you do? Like, you know, there's no uh, very. There's not very many good patisseries in uh, Central America. You know, like, where do you get your daily uh, baguette? I just buy some fruits and water, this, this is it. So you've lost a lot of weight, haven't you? From just not eating uh, enough French food, enough garlic, enough frogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eight kilos, yeah. yeah. Eight, eight kilos. Yeah, yeah. And, and you put that down to just eating fruit and cycling. Yeah, just banana and cycling, banana and cycling and tortillas and that's it. <laughs> what, do so, you get lonely, Shaggy? when you're cycling by yourself? No, not really. I like to cycling alone sometimes. I like to share 
some the road with some people and you're also like pretty good at getting bargains you know like getting getting things for cheap and not getting your wallet out of your pocket what's your uh, best tip for uh, for living cheap well that's a good question <laughs> it depends you know it's like you know. Sometimes you have to, you spend like just two dollar one day. Sometimes you spend like eight, nine dollar. You know you have to. So do you think you have to be charming in order to get things for cheap? I don't know. I'm a good charming. Sometimes I'm charming. Sometimes I'm not so good. <laughs> so what are you looking forward to next on your trip? Well, keep going, keep going, um, go to to Patagonia. <laughs> and we'll see. <laughs> the route we all took together from the coast of Colombia to Medellin was a real dangerous no-go area full of fighting with guerrillas and government forces as little as 15 years ago. And, um, you know, there are lots of clues about that, but they are very subtle clues. And actually, if we hadn't been with Lenin, I would never have guessed it. I would never have guessed that this was a dangerous place that tourists would never go um, because it just seemed so lovely and safe and friendly and the idea that there was all this shooting and bombings and killings was like anathema to me. Yeah, I mean, the people were so friendly, so welcoming, you know, out on the road cheering us on, engaging with us all the time. Yeah, I mean, when I mentioned that... They don't look like a people ravaged by war. No. But and some I, really serious stuff went down there. When I sort of said to Lennon, oh, everyone's so friendly, he said, yeah, everyone's always been friendly. It's just they were all caught up in this terrible conflict. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the, the small clues that we, that we had were a lot of virgin stands of forest, so a lot of places that haven't been cleared yet because, well, no developer would want to go in and clear them. Um, also the fact that the land there super cheap like we saw some farm with I don't even know how many hundred hectares maybe 100 150 for like 3,000 US dollars or something yeah and it's good fertile land and the last thing was um, a real military presence even now you know with military checkpoints and big yeah, military they had vehicles these, like, they weren't tanks but they were these massive trucks with like machine guns on top machine gun turrets machine gun turrets sort of things yeah, yeah, yeah on yeah, top yeah. they were like whoa vicious yeah and the, the soldier hanging out the back of one was like giving us a big friendly wave wasn't he well this is actually a government <laughs> policy in here in Colombia that um, to help get the military on side with the people or the, or, or the other way around the policy is for the military guys when they um, see locals that they give them the thumbs up as they go past yeah. so yeah it's quite nice yeah but um you know aside from that in terms of cycling pretty outstanding stuff you know almost no traffic very little traffic yeah. um you know we had the road to ourselves almost yeah. for a couple of days in a row yeah there are big roading projects here at the moment to sort of link up some of these places that were ravaged with the guerrilla conflict and you know, as a result we were riding on sort of fresh new road a lot of the time and uh really nice and smooth and very light in traffic because it's still very underdeveloped there uh, man crikey north of Medellin it is just like you've got to see it it is 
we loved it. It's a fantastic place to go, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, there was lots of lots of fruit growing going on. Um, beautiful fresh fruit, amazing coffee up there. You know, with the beans drying on the side of the road on um, on sort of big sheets, just in the in the big gutter of the highway, just out there drying. Um, but also some creepy bits, like um, we went through a couple of kind of scary tunnels. Whoa. Oh my god. Rustic tunnel. Uh, the walls are pretty rocky. It is like a scary movie. four of us here but I think with the massive sound of those trucks coming yeah. two of us would have been freaked the shit out yeah I think so too Lennon makes everything fun <laughs> even scary tunnels Okay, we keep mentioning this guy Lennon uh, baby how are you man we've been traveling with him for the last week he's been an incredible host here in Colombia hey hi Charlie He's a Colombian in his early 40s who successfully transformed from an office warrior into a long-haired traveller. And he's done what a lot of people just, you know, frankly dream of doing. So we asked him, how did he do it? Uh, I just decided to 
go to the cyclovia. How can I call that? Uh, like a psychopath. Uh, like a psychopath in Medellin with a Canadian girl. She's come to, she invited me to go to the uh, psychopath. And we was, uh, uh, I started like uh, two weeks doing that, uh, almost every day. And then mm, I invite to her to go to Santa Fe Antioch. It's a, a tourist area close to Medellin. It's about uh, 60 kilometers by car, uh, 60 kilometers, like about uh, one hour by car. So we decide to go there for a weekend. But when we went there, uh, I told her to go to the next village. It's called Uramita. It's the village where I was born. And yeah, Uramita. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Uramita. <coughs> in Uramita, we stay for a couple of days, and then we keep going. We go to Urabá. Is uh, from Uramita to Urabá. From the next village we stop was Chigordo. And <laughs> we stay for a for a night, and then from Chigorodó to Turbo, to tu from Turbo to Necocli, then uh, we go. We went to the coast, Colombian coast, uh, Atlantic, and then uh, after that we went to La Guajira, to the top of South America, <laughs> the north part of South America. And from there, we come down and then we cross to Venezuela, cross the border to Venezuela, because my friend from Canada, she wanted to, she need to go for, uh, to get a extension of visa. Yeah. And we really have, really scared to go to, to Venezuela because a lot of people told us that was very dangerous. But, but at the end, we crossed the border and we had to stay there for uh, less uh, for almost three days to get a station of the visa yeah, yeah. for her and I thought to her but if we are here in Venezuela we can go uh, we can keep going and for around Venezuela and we was riding for Venezuela for about one month mm -hmm. and then we went to Caracas and in Caracas she has to go to uh, back, back to Canada and then I keep uh, going by myself, and I come back to Colombia, I cross from the coast. Uh, and I met a, a couple from France, I was ready with them for a couple of weeks. And then I cross from Urabá, from the Gulf of Urabá, to Panama. And then from Panama to Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, Salvador, Guatemala, Belize, Mexico, and uh, United States. And from United States, I came back to Colombia. So, wait, you left for like a weekend away, and then you ended up riding all around South America and all through Central America. Yeah. What did you take with you when you left, when you went for that weekend away? When I left from my house, from here, from Medellin, I just take uh, a couple shorts and sandals for the weekend. But it was... Uh, <laughs> It was <laughs> not necessary anymore because it was only for a weekend. But I, I still with the same things that I left, that the thing I have when I left from here. Because it's no, mm, a lot of things is not necessary. But I, I was collecting things in my, in my route, in my way. Everyone's, uh, a lot of people once that I used the teacher from the, the country that I was visiting. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, 
so people were very kind to you. I mean, uh, this is a very different um, way than what Baden and I have done, which is plan the trip for about a year, buy a lot of equipment, and then do it. So you've done it like you just decided to go. So before that, you were working in an office, and you had a job and a suit and a tie, and then what made you just choose to leave that behind? Yeah, I was working with the Colombian government for about 16 years. And I was the boss of security from two states for Colombia, Antioquia and Chocó. Uh, Antioquia and Chocó, they're the most dangerous or most unstable, can I say? Unstable uh, state in Colombia. It was really hard uh, uh, to have this job for uh, the last two years. Uh, I was working uh, very close with the minister, governors, mayors, and a lot of high, high position uh, people from the government. And I, I, already, and I also have a really hard position in, in the Colombian government. But um, I decided to go to stop this job because uh, it was w very, very stressful. And I, don't, I didn't feel uh, comfortable with this job because my life, uh, I want to change my life to be like uh, real uh, people, not like uh, the life I had before. So uh, now I, I am really happy to, to do the, uh, to, to change, because I changed and, and, and to do the things I'm doing now, right? Yeah, yeah. That's all. Yeah. And so um, along your way, you didn't have much stuff and sometimes you didn't really ha use any money. So can you tell us a little bit about how you've been traveling? Because Baden and I have been spending a bit of money. <laughs> All right. At the beginning of my trip, I really spent a lot of money because I didn't know about to a lot of things, so how to travel like this. But in, uh, in my way, I learned how to, to travel very cheap. I, can, I am using now um, uh, some page in in internet, like a culture in um, one shower, hospitality club, work away, help eggs, and another page I don't remember now, but it's very easy. And also, I'm uh, normally using uh, fire station and uh, culture houses and major offices and <laughs> a lot of people I met in my in my way. They want to help me, and uh, also uh, I have a lot of interview with the uh, TV national TVs or um, newspaper and so the people knows where I am in a country that I'm traveling by, uh, by bicycle and alone and so many people knows that I'm traveling like that. So many people want that I stay with them to share the, my history and everything. Oh, cool. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, just one last question. I wondered um, from the countries that you've cycled in so far, what has been your favorite one? Uh, I don't think I, I think there is no any favorite country. All the countries had best best things to see, to do, or so I am feeling very good everywhere. <laughs>
Well, here is something that some New Zealanders may not know. We're in Medellin's Central Fruit Market and we're looking for the elusive Fijoa. We've heard that uh, the Fijoa, the humble Fijoa, the favourite fruit of New Zealand is actually from uh, here in Colombia and instead they call it Fehoa because they pronounce the uh, J with a uh, H. So we're on the lookout for some Fehoa. Okay, there's lots of people here that think they know where the Fehoa will be. There's lots of fruit here. Fehoa! It's esto. Okay, it's here. We have found the Fehoa. Yeah. This is the Fehoa, but I didn't try before that fruit. So you wanna buy? Yeah. Right. And no, I tried before. How do you make that? Yeah, so what you do is you cut it open to make it, or just to eat it, you cut it open and spoon it out. Alright, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you can make it, uh, it's like, uh, it's kind of like guava. Gracias. Okay, so we now have some uh, fejoa so, or fejoa from the home of fejoas in Colombia. Okay, I'm stepping out of the market with the fruits of our labor today and gonna surprise Shelly. We have Fijoa! Oh my god, you found them! Oh wow! That's amazing! So do they smell like the ones from home? Well they're in a plastic bag, but yeah, I think so. Well done guys! Fehoa! We're staying here at Lennon's house in Medellin and he and his friend Laura have been showing us around but they haven't really been taking us to those typical tourist spots you might expect. Uh, my name is Laura Gutierrez. I'm from Colombia, from Medellin. I'm 22 years old. Uh, I study English teaching. Um, and I'm a teacher now. And you brought us to a cattle market. Why have you brought? Why did you bring us here? Uh, because we want you to know something different from Colombia. Because we have a beautiful city that is Medellin. So we're glad to show you the good things about Medellin. Yeah, I, I don't think many tourists would come to this market. Yeah, because the only thing that there are some places that you have to know and know. There are a lot of places that are really interesting, they have a lot of culture, so you should come. <laughs> so in front of the, on one side of the market there is like they're selling saddlery and ropes and you know all sorts of stuff, hats, and on the other side is just big pens full of cattle. So we're looking at the moment at a beautiful leather saddle that has speakers built into it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's a saddle with like a car stereo built into it. It's like the ultimate in bogan horsemanship, isn't it? How'd you like? How'd you like? Oh my gosh, that's so hilarious! <laughs> so there's pigs, horses and cows. Yes, it's like a farm thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's so fun to know this. This actually is the first time for me here. Really? Yeah, but, well, I knew the place, but I didn't know that there were a lot of animals here. Mm -hmm. 
so I'm so glad to be here with you, showing you a new thing for me. <laughs> we have a poster that shows breeds of cattle. Okay, so, ¿cuál es más común aquí? Los más comunes son estos. Esto de aquí. Por ejemplo, vea, eh, este, vea, este, Bucerat, el Gil, el Gil, este y este. Vea. Guserat, Simental, and Brahman. Yes, yes, yes. Double purpose, for So now we've arrived at a kind of bar and eating area, and there are just like a lot of men sitting around. Um, and many of them are wearing pink shirts, I notice. So they've all got pieces of paper which I guess have information about the cattle they're thinking of buying or that they have bought, sort of leafing through them, chatting. Some of them have got little cowboy hats on. And they're completely surrounded on three sides by massive pens of cattle. So Baden, we've purchased some cattle. Um, we're just going around to, to pick them up and um, we need to organise a truck. Yeah, I'll just pay cash for that out the front. Um... I've become a fairly experienced gaucho in the last couple of hours and we've, we've got some pretty good deals here. Okay. And uh, yeah, we'll take those home and uh, ship them into New Zealand somehow and give them a few vaccines and Bob's your, your old Bob James Cribbins. This is another What's in the Pot live special from Uramita. And we're making coconut rice, Colombiana style. <laughs> okay, so with us we've got um, a special chef uh, who's assisting his aunt uh, making us the uh, coconut rice. So Lennon, what are we doing here? So you first have to, how can I say it? Mix? Grind. Oh, grind the coconut? Grind? grind? Yeah, I've just been, what, half an hour grinding coconut through a little grinder thing and we've got all the milk and all the um yeah we got all the milk from the coconut and then we uh, we put uh, in a pan to boil yeah to boil and then when it's boiling and uh, we add uh, ah, we add first uh, like a hand of of uh, salt and sugar one hand of, of salt, one hand of sugar, and then when we was boiling, we put three pounds of rice. Yeah, now, so we've got three big bags of rice here, yeah. lots of coconut milk, more salt. Yeah, there is a little bit more salt. Yeah, a little bit more salt. Uh, and she adds also a little bit more of water. Ah. So this is not only the uh, milk of coconut. And, and this is a recipe from... Uh, some more rural parts of uh, Colombia than even this? Your aunt's from uh, the countryside? Yeah, she's from the country. This from is like a typical... She's a typical food from the coast in Colombia. Yeah. Yeah, this is normally from the from the department. or state is called Chocó, and from the coast from Colombia. They cook everything with coconuts. They cook fish, they cook rice, they cook everything with coconuts. So yeah. that is uh, normally they eat every day is coconut rice. Okay, here we go. Okay, it's time to eat now. We've got the coconut rice, and on top of the coconut rice, we've got uh, sort of like boiled down carambola, which is star fruit. And uh, so now we can try and see if it's uh, as good as it looks. 
<laughs> but no, it's seriously really delicious. The, the juice from the carambola is mixing in with the coconut and the rice. It's, and the uh, panelas. Ah, yeah, yeah. The sugar cane. And so that's made the big difference and it is buenísimo. And that's another What's in the Pot live special coconut rice in Uramita, Colombia. This was the scene here on the rooftop last night. Yeah, this is the celebration of Alborada, and it's really controversial here in Medellin. So they let off their fireworks on the 1st of December, and there are many different reasons as to why this happens. I mean, it's not just fireworks that we're sort of hearing here. A lot of people are just shooting their guns into the air as awesome. well. It's just like general explosions. And as we sat here on this rooftop last night, looking at this panoramic view of the city the whole city was alight with fireworks yeah there were sort of council displays but then all on the hillsides there were just flashes 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 right around and yeah because the hillsides where the the um sort of comunas or barrios or poorer neighborhoods are that the housing is, is stacked right on top of each other very densely populated areas and everyone's letting off fireworks so it was pretty spectacular yeah i mean it kind of did look like it was a city under attack with the way that the, <laughs> the all the lights were flashing and yeah all went off at midnight okay but, so at midnight on the first of december why okay so some people think it's because it's Pablo Escobar's birthday. So Pablo Escobar oh, was, right. he was born on the 1st of December. And people think that the, the fireworks celebrations were because of him. I and someone said it was because he died then. Well, no, he actually died the day after on the 2nd of December. Oh, okay. So, so that's the thing. Maybe you would, what, no, why would you do it on his birthday? And the other thing, Pablo Escobar apparently did fund a lot of fireworks displays in the city. Really? Yeah, when, when he was sort of based here. Oh well, he was basically. This is where this is where he lived and died. Do you think everybody knows who Pablo Escobar is? Well, if you don't, don't even bother knowing. I mean, I, it's a whole nother. Maybe I'll get into the whole drug thing in Colombia in a future podcast. But it's something that, you know, I don't think Colombia should be known for coming here to you know, shove sh crap up your nose. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's there's a lot. There's so much more than that. And I think, you know, tourism in the city gets bogged down with uh, the legends of this guy who was like a drug lord murderous you know terrorist essentially so what's the other theory about why people do it if, if not for that for his birthday uh well there's this and two theories actually there's oh. one theory that oh there was just like a tradition you know from many years ago of setting off fireworks and explosions they call it um polvo which is actually gunpowder yeah, so like fireworks in Spanish is uh, what, fuegos artificiales? Yeah. Yeah, but they call it polvo, so it's got something more to do with like the manufacture of gunpowder oh, and things. Okay. And there is another theory oh. that the fireworks displays uh, mark the, um, the mo well, like to commemorate the date in which the military pulled out of some of these comunes 
oh, around right. the city. Okay. Okay. You know, when things became so a bit more safer. Sort of liberated. Exactly. So in the military presence, the demilitarization of Medellin. So it's it's an excuse to let off fireworks for what it, whatever reason you want to invent. Almost. But the, but the problem <laughs> is, is that Medellin, the city, is only just getting on top of regulating all of this because people and animals in particular have suffered like really terrible injuries from everyone going crazy with these fireworks. Yeah. So they really, you know, they're trying to ban the manufacture, the uh, the sale and the sort of commercialization of these fireworks. Yeah. So all the fireworks that we're hearing and that we saw last night were actually, you know, bought under the table. Or I think Lennon was saying some of them are a bit homemade. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's really dodgy, but kind of really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was great to see. So we're, we're sadly, we're going to be leaving Medellin and we will be uh, heading east slash south I don't really know what direction we're going in um, uh, to that hill in the east I think okay, is yeah. this the east? yeah well we're going towards the capital city Bogota yeah Bogota Bogota um, I always had this running joke with my when I worked in Auckland uh, with a sub-editor this guy Lawrence Hakiwai uh, always um, he thought that I called it Bogota uh, and I just kept that running, even though I fully knew I was fluent in Spanish way back then. Oh, I always yeah, right. knew it was Bogota, but right. always joked Bogota. Yeah, and so now I'm going to Bogota. <laughs> and right. uh, I think that's going to involve a lot more climbing. Great. A lot more, we're going to see a lot more um, lakes, but on plateaus. Mm-hmm. The high up lakes, which are cool. And uh, maybe I think there's about 450 kilometers between us and Bogota. And most importantly, uh, it's going to be featuring Lennon and Shaggy. The, the, the team's back together yeah, again. Yeah, the team is continuing on. The Peloton is reforming <laughs> here in uh, Medellin and we're heading to the nation's capital. Well, that's our podcast for this time. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we'd love to know how you are and where you are. You can email us, you at gmail.com or go to the blog, you.com, post a comment under this podcast or use the links to subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, we, you can get Baden. Baden, you're on Twitter. Yes, I am. Baden C. At Baden C and on Instagram. Baden Cycling. Yes, very good. I am on Instagram as well, Shelley M. Campbell. Uh, thank you once again to Callum Campbell for the original music in this podcast. And until next time, ciao. Bye. Bye.